Welcome into the Michael Wall Show. We got a great show for you this segment. Actually, we got a two-part segment. Really excited. Met a gentleman. His name's Dr. Vonk. You're going to love him. He's not only a super smart guy, great business success, and president of uh, Kaiser University, but he also is an author of a, a book that you're not going to find anywhere yet, but will be everywhere soon. Hot off the press. We're going to talk about that. But in the first segment, we're going to talk about just some of his past business successes I was so intrigued by his uh, not only experience as being the CEO and president and executive of several public and private companies in his in his career, but also how he's brought that education, uh, just real life experience, real life success into the university space. And it's really interesting because that's changed a lot. So that's going to be more in the second segment. So you're not going to want to miss that. But the first segment, let me introduce uh, Dr. Gary Vonk. And a wonderful guy, Gary, thanks Michael, so much for joining us. Proud to be here, Michael. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, you know, when we met there, um, uh, truth be told, we were doing the, uh, what was it, the 50 meter, 100 meter dash, I think it was, and I won. Yes. And yeah. that's how it went down. I said, by if, 90 meters. If I, <laughs> I said, if I win, you got to come do the show. So, no, that we actually uh, uh, met through a mutual friend and, and had a conversation. And I wanted to bring you on because you've had such, such interesting experience. In fact, then off air, we were talking about you encouraging your son and that entrepreneurial lens. But why don't we start with a little bit of your history? What kind of caused you to get the to wet the whistle, so to speak, to want to jump into business and led you to the place that you you were in. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. I um, I pretty much grew up in retailing in, in California and uh, end-to-end in the state and different um, kind of middle manager jobs all across the state and kind of responsibility increasing. And uh, in the early 90s, I was approached by another company that said we need some senior level people to run a uh, a division of our, our organization, and so I looked at it and talked to them about it, and it looked like a great opportunity. So, I uh, I responded by moving from uh, California out to Atlanta, Georgia, and and began that journey. And uh, a few years later, that journey turned into uh, a number of companies in the private equity space that uh, wanted someone with the deep experience who could go in and uh, and turn companies around. And so that's what's happened to me over the years, and I did that for a number quite a number of years, and then. Ultimately, uh, was working in Seattle and living in Florida, and it was a long commute. And so I decided, <laughs> I decided at that time, there's probably something else in life to do than get up and put a new laundry in a suitcase and go yeah. to work. Traveling's a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was taxing it was, on the body. Yeah. Well, it was a you know I'd go for 12 days, come home for two, and repack the suitcase and go back out there. And for this a was pre-Zoom. Oh, for sure. No, right? this was yeah, this was uh, yeah before anybody was using Zoom. Right, Zoom right. might have been out there, but uh, right, your yeah, Zoom no, was I had on the jet there. plane. Yeah, I had to be there. <laughs> I got the eleven o'clock landing in SeaTac in Seattle and went to the hills and worked there for two weeks. So, I learned from that that uh, of course it it was a great lesson. And uh, working for this private equity group, we were trying to really reposition a company, recapitalize it, and move it in a direction that was going to make sense for the investment. And uh, ultimately, after a couple of years of that, I, I said, you know, I want to do something different. And uh, and it's which is a pretty interesting story about the transition from uh, the business world into academics. So be- before you jump into that, because I really want to save that um, for for a segment, too. But before you jump into that, I want to I want to talk about some of the principles that you learned. Obviously, you wrote a book, too. We're going to talk about that. It's never so bad that it can't get worse. This is literally, oh, it's so hot. That was, yeah, Friday it came out, right. So. I love that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, in fact, why don't we jump into that now? Something 
Something that you said here, actually, one of the chapters, and I loved all of the um, the different uh, puns and things that you put in here, but chapter four, do something that you're proud of. And I think that's so important. You know, we think about the idea of, I know I learned at a young age from my father to take care of the details. And when you take care of the details and you do a good job, you know, the story will kind of tell itself. Yeah, you won't have to look over your shoulder. Yeah. You'll have to realize that, that you've done all you could to be as successful or do the right thing and any and all those sorts of things. And and so you won't have that to worry about. What does that look like? I just got the book, haven't had a chance to read it. So when you when you had that title, Do Something You're Proud Of, where did that all come from? Well, it, actually, it came from when I um, had the great opportunity in, in, in California to drop my kids off at school. And, uh, and or other things, but in, it came out mostly when I dropped them off at school, and I'd say, do something you're proud of. And each and every time I dropped them off, I'd tell, I have three kids, and I'd tell them, do something you're proud of. And then, lo and behold, when they got picked up at the end of the day, I'd ask them what it was. Hmm. I'd ask them. So I'd you say, followed okay. up on yeah, it. Yeah. I, I said it wasn't them, just a, yeah, a passing, just, hey, do something you're proud of, something, have And a nice that was day. it, right. Yeah. I'd say, when I, they got in the car, I said, they knew I was going to ask them, tell me what it is you did that you're proud of. Hmm. And uh, we, through our lives, being able to do that, or on the phone, or I do it right now, and my kids are 35 to 40, and each and every one of them knows I'm going to probably ask them what they did to be proud of. And, um, and of course, the, the real payoff on, on being able to do something like that through the life of your children is to see them do it through their children. And so, and I'd ask them when they got in the car when they were kids, um, what is it you did? And tell me why you were proud of what you did. And, and we went through a whole host of things from helping the teacher to helping a fellow student to cleaning up and any and all of those other things. But it forced as well as and caused us to enjoy the conversation of, of you know, their interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love that also directing that conversation with them helped them to really be thinking about what am I doing? Yeah. Am, am I doing something I'm proud of, number one? And then also looking at the positive you know so often parenting we look at it and it's like ah hey you got to change this behavior or that behavior and that's the way we think instead of saying okay let's help bring out of them like carnegie said about getting gold out of mines right yes yes you got to move a lot of dirt to get to the gold and so that's what you were doing in a lot of ways absolutely i've i wanted him to get from being a passenger Mm. along the way to be uh-huh. someone who drives her own destiny to does her own thing to you know you transition from being just somebody who's all along for the ride to be somebody who wants to sit in the front seat and I think that's what's telling kids to do something you're proud of because that you give them the opportunity to think about that in the daytime because they know I'm going to ask them and they're going right. to accountability up here better come up with something <laughs> and, and so I think it does that and it, it yeah. gives your kids a chance to say okay today if I'm at lunch and I can help somebody out that's what I'm going to do and mm-hmm. not that they can just you know fool around the rest of the day but you know those sorts of things I think that that really does create that accountability but also a destination every day yeah so another chapter in the book um, helping others help you this is chapter 12 uh, it's never so bad that it can't get worse again great book you're gonna make sure you go out and get it I'm gonna read it for sure make a lot of notes but I want to I want to talk about chapter 12 real quick because what that spurred in me when I was just reading quick through that dr. Bonk is I remember I was kind of like a Zig Ziglarite, if you want to call it, right? Sure, I listened me to, too. Listen to Zig back in the day, and I remember him always talking about the idea that if you help enough other people get what they want, someday you'll be able to get what you want. And is that kind of the the principle or the you know? Yeah, from an organizational standpoint, it is. And I know in your book you talked about 
Zig Ziglar's flea training. Mm, right. <laughs> you did, and, and, and you, you mentioned how it's it's not that the fleas want to st- be stuck in the jar. It's just right. you would condition them to stay in yeah. the jar yep. long enough. They stay in the jar no matter how hard they right. want to try afterwards. Yep. And so I think it has to do with the, you know, the helping others um, really is a strategy that says, I'm going to make the environment one where people realize that that's important. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, helping others helps you because when you do that for others, they'll do the same. I mean, you don't create, you don't make people do stuff. They right. want to do it. Right. I have a saying um, that came out of my retailing days is that if everybody picks up trash, there won't be any trash to pick up. Yeah. Because it's, it won't be there. It'll right. be gone. Someone walked yep. by and they picked it up, they threw it away. No one, and if in, that was in a retail environment and, you know, if you just saw it on the floor, you picked it up. And now at the university, it's very similar. I say, listen, if everybody picks up trash, there won't be any pickup. And surprisingly, the, the place I work is spotless. People understand that. Well, and what I love is, is that passion for um, bringing the best out of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we see so often today, and I want to ask that in your business experience, some of the success that you've seen, you know, we see so often today, unfortunately, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that in businesses or in life or in other things, people tend to focus on the negatives, focus on the negatives, focus on here's what you're doing wrong, here's what you're doing wrong, here's what you're doing wrong, instead of really calling people up, right, yeah. to, hey, take care of the little things, pick up trash, here's what we're doing here, here's what we're building here, here's the culture that we're trying to put together here to really add value to other people. So on your business journey of going from kind of mid-level to executive level to you know CEO level to working for private equity companies in Atlanta, what is maybe one or two things that you found along the way that you know caused you to say, okay, th- these are some of the principles that when I applied them, and maybe some of them we already spoke of, but when I applied them, they really helped catapult me to the next level and put me in a place of being able to turn around companies and really see success. What does that look like? Well, I think some of the organizational stuff that you talk about, one <laughs> of the things I remember was um, one of the companies I went to, I went to several companies I had absolutely no experience mm-hmm. in and as a senior level individual. I was a senior level person and I'm supposed to be in charge and I don't know anything about it. One of them I remember sitting around the boardroom table with the senior executives, and I turned to them and I said, well, you're all more valuable today than you were yesterday. This is the first day. And they all look at me and go, what do you mean by that? I said, because you all know the business and I don't. Yeah. And so I looked at them and I said, so the, the result is, is that you know what you do and what you shouldn't be doing. And the key here is for us collectively to find out those things that we need to be doing and eliminate the things that we don't. I mean, I remember the conversation we had around the table where we knew that our overhead was too high and we need to cut staff. And the initial response was, oh, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, probably the answer is we'll have to cut everybody. Right. So now we'll go back and make the decision. And not three, four hours later, it's in the book, but three or four hours later, we came back, got together and said, okay, let's figure out how to do this, mm-hmm. as opposed to it can't be done. Right. And I, and I think that pulling people from that environment is one of the things I learned in the private equity world. Not so much the private equity world, because that was just a few of them, but in the business world where you walk into something where you have – little or no experience with the people you're working with, and you know you just can't simply fire everybody and start over. Because you have a business to run, you have an ongoing operation, and you have people that within the organization who probably have things in their mind that they would have done differently if they had had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that's also part of it, is how give people the opportunity to be successful. And and uh, I, I remember an environment where we had a situation that was really in the middle of a transaction, and we had a terrible situation from a from a financing standpoint, and we had to get it fixed. And uh, and a couple of the people in, in revolve, involved in it said, man, I'm going to quit because this is just a terrible thing to do to this. And I said, quitting won't fix it. Right. Get just back. walking away and yeah. saying, I'm quitting done. Quitting won't right? fix it. 
to sit yeah. around the table and figure out how to fix it. We yeah. did, and, and it happened, and we were successful. So, I love that thought, though, where you're saying, let's figure out how to do this instead of it can't be done. And uh, talk about a, talking about a mindset shift mm-hmm. you know, for our culture today, because, again, there is so much negativity coming down on people. It's like, oh, the world is ending. Okay, this president got in, the world is ending. This president got in, the world is ending. This president, it's like, you know, yes, there are serious problems in our country. Yes, we need to we need to change that. But I think fundamentally, one of the things that I'm picking up that I love is the fact of, you know, um, even we talked about the kids, right? I mean, it starts in the home. What Amen. if we taught our children to be in a place where they said, hey, let's let's not say we can't do this. Let's say let's figure out how to get it done. Amen. And, and, and small steps repeated are what the bring the, you know, small swings at the, the oak tree is what brings it down. Right? right, right. And it's not that you are always successful the first time. Right. It's that you have just Failure's got to part be, of life. You have to be part, prepared to fail. Yeah. But you have to keep prepared to try. Right. And, and that's the key to the whole thing. It's taking those steps. And I think if you don't take the steps, that's key. So I love that. And, and also giving people the opportunity to be successful. Really, really good. Well, let's land the plane on this segment. And again, next segment, we're talking. Uh, again, to uh, Gary Vonk, which you know you've been dialing in here. If you've just been listening to the podcast and you put it on two and a half times or two times or however you listen to this, I don't know if you're listening on uh, uh, video as well, but <clears throat> we're having a conversation about success in business. And I want to I land the plane before we jump into the next segment, um, and which is going to talk about you as you transition to now the university setting, which quite honestly... I'm going to say, has brought a lot of challenges to our world, and you've taken on the challenge to fix it and improve it, a, a machine that's done really, really well. Kaiser's done a great job, and you're taking them really, in my opinion, to the next levels and a lot of things that you guys are doing. We're going to talk about what that looks like with the, we'll call it the university of the future, if I may. Um, Dr. Vonk, let me ask you this. <clears throat> As we land the plane to this, what would you say would be one or two? Bits of information. Now, obviously, reading your book is is good, right? But one or two bits of information that you're saying, Mike, if I was dealing with a younger person, and I want to bring this in and parlay to the story of your son, mm-hmm. because your son now is an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, he and he became an entrepreneur because of some good advice that you gave him. So I want to sh- I want you, to, if you would, to share that story and then maybe pull one or two things out that you would give somebody that's watching this that's younger or maybe midlife and saying, man, I, I have some music in me. I have a desire in me, and I just I don't know how to get it out. What would you recommend? How would you say, say that to them? Well, I, the, the situation with my son, uh, my youngest son, Stephen, is that he, uh, he was 17 and working for somebody else doing the work that uh, he had been, you know, he applied for and was working, and he said, listen, I, I think I could do this and make more money. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, he said, okay, I will, and he managed to finance it himself. I actually, initially, he, uh, I said, go down to the bank and see if they'll loan you money. He's a 17-year-old kid, a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. So he, I, he put on his blue jacket and his khakis and his necktie and went down to the bank. And <laughs> Not too long later, he came back and he says, they won't loan me any money. I said, well, let's go over why not. And so we went over wow. why not. Mm. And I said, you know, the business hasn't grown. You don't have the capital. You don't have the resources. You don't have the income. And let's figure out how to overcome those sorts of things so you can actually be somebody that make it like you see. So I want to stop you right there. That is huge. Because I'll tell you, you know, and parents, if you're listening to this, what he just said there was big. You know, too often your, your student or maybe you yourself may come back and say, 
Oh, the bank won't loan me money to start my business. And then you go into full plum disease. Poor little old me. Oh, the world's against me and they don't like me. And it's my where I grew up across the tracks or whatever. No, 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 no. Time out. You went into let's discuss why they won't lend you money. Continue. Yep. I love yeah. that. And so we decided that. We said, okay, why won't they lend you money? He said, okay, these are the reasons. I said, okay, well, let's figure out how to overcome some of those. And so he, on his own, went out and figured it out. I said, you need to have some equipment. So we, he, uh, he said, I need to have a, buy a trailer. He said, Dad, we need to buy a trailer. I said, well, there's a lot of trailers in the yards all across the country. <laughs> you need to drive around and knock on doors. Why buy say, new when yeah. used will do, right? Well, what do you need? I mean, yeah. it's not yeah. about what would be nice. It's yeah. about what do you need. And so yeah. he found one, a yeah. $50 trailer, and it was full of junk, and called me up and said, I found a trailer. There's only one condition. And that is, is that you got to come over here and help me empty the junk out. And so we did, and he painted that trailer and opened up his business. Uh -huh. And um, and it was a it was an interesting transition for him because he realized he could do it. Uh -huh. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise for him, but he realized that there's the elements to his business were to the point where he could he could actually handle it, and he did. And mm. and um, and it was an interesting transition for him. And so he. He did that, and he's, he's grown his business. He's been at it. This is his 15th year, surprisingly. Wow. Yeah, and he's... And uh, I found out that we've literally rented some things from yes, him. Yeah, yeah isn't Jupiter that funny? Bounce, yeah, yeah. Doing yeah. a great job. Yeah, So, and, and it's a community thing, and I think it, uh, much like the other two kids I got, they all know that, uh, listen, do something you're proud of, like we talked about earlier. And, that, and he knows that just like my daughter will when she gets up, and my son, who's in Portland, Oregon... But other than that, it's great. You know what I love when I hear that, too, is, um, and I want to land the plane with a thought that he had shared there as we end this segment, but I, I love, this is me personally, right? Maybe other people think differently, but to me, when I hear that, right, as we go and look at, buy, you know, getting inflatables or doing parties or whatever it is for our family and kids and things like that, knowing that we've already rented from him before, um, to me, it's like that That just makes it more exciting for me to say, okay, if there's four or five companies out there, I'm going to do business with him. And, you know, one of the reasons that I think that is not because you're here and you mentioned this, but the fact that he went through the process of experiencing what it's like to be an entrepreneur. He went through the process of learning that. I, I know, you know, Parlayed, many, many folks, as they watch this, they know that we have financial companies, right? We help families with their wealth, protect, grow, reduce taxes. That's our tagline. And one of the things that we see, and this is why I'm so connected with what you're saying with your son as well, is, you know, when we started out, it was a $400 a month apartment. We shared a purple Ford Escort. My wife worked at the Outback Steakhouse. Yes, sir. That money that she made $18,000 a year helped support us in starting the business. And so when I, when I connect with families, as we connect with families now through the business, 20 years later, when they come in, they've built something. They're like, okay, this kid didn't just go to college and then get a get a book of business to work and a free office or whatever. He built it from something. He understands what it means to build something. So when we when we connect with people, we understand the value of what that looks like with their wealth. And with your son and other entrepreneurs out there, they are in a place where they understand what it means to build something. And I love the fact that you uh, share this idea with him, which is it's not about what would be nice; it's about what you need. And it's so interesting to me that in life, many people, and I'd love you to weigh in on this as we land the plane here, many people walk around with the idea in their mind that this is what I need. They've lost the difference or, or the distinction, let me say, between what is a want 
Yeah. And what is a need? No, I agree. I agree with that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a challenge. And I think that, you know, I'm in the, in the, the college business now. And uh, I think kids have to get to that point early on in their college career to mm-hmm. realize that this is a roadmap for something, mm-hmm. not just a journey in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I love this that. Is, this, is a, this is a bus ride to that destination. I talk... When I talk to you, I have a quote on the back of my business card that says, children are the living messages we send yeah. to a time we will not see. Yeah. And I take that to heart with kids in college, and I say to them that, you know, we're putting little messages in this bottle from college. You've got them already there from your parents, yeah. and someday we'll put a cork in that, and you'll float ashore someplace. Mm-hmm. And you'll start using those things you've learned, and most of the time you won't remember where you got it. Yeah. But the, but the real key ingredient here is, is that you're accumulating things that will serve you into the, into the rest of your life. And that's not only education, but growing up in a family that supports that and all the rest of the Yeah, things. investing in you. So here you go. Dr. Gary Vonk, it's never so bad that it can't get worse. I'm excited <laughs> to read this book. A little banana peel slipping out. I just love his humor, and it's fun. It's going to be a fun read. I'll be talking about it later, I'm sure, as well. Remember, a couple of things we talked about here. He's talking about the idea of doing something every day that you're proud of. That's number one. Very important. And if you are a parent, I'm going to challenge you like he did. And I'm going to start doing this, by the way. We do a lot of positive stuff with our kids in the morning, but ask them that question, right? What are you going to do today? Make sure you do something today that you're proud of. And then ask them, what did you do that you're proud of? Ask yourself that question. I think it's a good self-evaluation at the end of the day. And then the other thing that I want to make sure that we don't miss is... It's not about what would be nice, but it's about what you need. And I think sometimes in life, if we focused on that, what it'll do is a couple of things. It'll eliminate your need or desire, right, to feel like you got to keep up with the Joneses. That's number one. And you'll focus on what you actually need now. I believe if you focus on what's necessary in the, in, in, in the current, in the present, you will focus more on what you need then in the future. What I mean by that is it'll help you get to where you want to go in the future because you're focusing on today not just tomorrow. So important. Well, it was a great interview with Dr. Gary Vonk. And uh, as always, my desire is to encourage you and challenge you to not only live on purpose, but to live with purpose. You heard a lot of purpose coming out in this show today. And I want to challenge you to re-listen to it, re-listen to the podcast, re-watch the show, share this with someone that needs to hear it. There's someone in your life right now in your cell phone text message thread that needs to hear this encouragement. They need a shot of encouragement. God knows there's lots of negative out there, negative noise, negative news, you know, Ned negatives on the shoulders of people. And uh, we need encouraged in our world today. So go out and live with purpose today. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that so you don't want to miss out on the next segment coming out, which is uh, Dr. Vong talking about his transition now to put the put the gown and the cap on and get into the university space. We're going to talk about what that looks like next show on The Michael Wall Show. Thanks for dialing in.